One man stands on the battlefield. He alone represents his army, his nation, his king. He delivers the challenge for combat, champion to champion. If he wins, his nation wins. If the other wins, his nation wins. Each army, each nation is reduced. It's it's brought down, it's consolidated, and it's represented into one man. I don't know how often this was the case in in battles in ancient times. You probably recognize this scenario from the account of David and Goliath. Recently, I ran across this this same image uh, in Arthurian legend, the uh, the story of Tristan and Isolde. Um, It starts out with uh, an Irish king who is oppressing the English, and a great knight comes and says, Hey, if you can beat me, you can be free. One-on-one combat. And today, today that image is what's presented to us in Paul's message to the Corinthians. Paul paints a picture. Humanity boiled down to one man. A man named Adam. He's the first man. And he is also the first champion of humanity to face sin, death, and the devil. His failure to stand up under temptation meant the enslavement of all people after Adam. Enslavement to sin leading to the inevitability of death. But even in the moment of Adam's failure, God promised a savior that the savior would come that he would be born that this offspring of woman would crush the serpent's head, though at a cost, because the serpent would crush his heel. And after centuries of waiting, that one was born in Bethlehem. And you know the story, right? Hark, the herald angels sang, peace on earth, mercy mild, God and sinners reconciled. Christ the Savior is born. He is true man born of the Virgin Mary. And true God, begotten of the Father from all eternity. He came to, to step in onto the battlefield just as Adam did. All of humanity reduced to one man. And in this contest, Jesus bore the sin of all humanity to the cross. And he died. And catch that, because that's actually very important. All humanity, reduced to one man, died. It looked like sin and death had won again. But Jesus had not given in to sin, nor was he defeated by death. He gave up his spirit. He breathed his last to atone for our sin. So that we would die in him. Because once a person is dead, sin can no longer touch them. And having died in him, we have become free from sin. Then to seal the deal, Jesus rose. He rose from the dead. He was raised from the dead, giving us 
resurrection. And this is no metaphorical resurrection. This new life is at work in us now to shape us, to transform us, to change us, to be like Jesus in our thoughts, in our actions, in our attitudes. And one day, he is going to raise us bodily from the dead. New bodies, holy, perfect, just as he himself was raised bodily from the dead. This isn't just some kind of spiritual resurrection either. It's a complete, whole, spirit, soul, and body resurrection. That's our hope. That's the gospel. Jesus' death and resurrection leads to our resurrection, eternal life. It leads to our forgiveness, to our salvation. And yes, this does impact how we live in the here and now. Bad company ruins good morals, Paul says. And have the morals of God's people been, been compromised by wanting to fit in at work? By, by wanting to be popular at school? By wanting to be accepted in our culture? Desiring to be on the right side of history? Do our morals ever get eroded by our loyalty to political parties? By our economic habits? Do our morals ever get diminished by our desire for, for pleasure, comfort, or our personal desires? You're awfully quiet this morning. Because <laughs> the answer is, yeah. Yeah, they do. Our morals have gotten compromised. So Paul confronts us. He says, wake up. Do not go on sinning. Jesus put it this way. You might recall the account where a woman who was caught in adultery was brought to him. And they said, you know, hey, there's, a, there's something in the Bible that says a person who's caught in adultery should be stoned. And Jesus kind of sits down. He goes down on the ground. He's, he's writing on the ground. They're like, what do, you, what do you say, Jesus? And he says, well, those of you who are without sin should cast the first stone. And, and they all start going away. And I love this. It's starting with the oldest and then to the youngest. There is something about wisdom with age, right? God bless us. Um, and and as, as they go away, finally, it's just Jesus and this woman. Where are your accusers? They've all left, sir. Neither do I accuse you. And I want to, I think sometimes we just wanted to end there. Neither do I accuse you. But he says, no, neither do I accuse you. Go and sin no more. This is living in the light of the resurrection, that we would seek to sin no more. I'm not saying that you're going to accomplish it. Our flesh is corrupted. We need to live in forgiveness every day. But we need to strive for that too. Because this body, this tent that we live in, it will die. We will receive the just wages for sin. And traditionally, we have buried the bodies of the dead much in the same way as we plant seeds. 
They go into the ground, but the day comes when a new form, a greater form, will be raised. And that is you. Even though you're not experiencing it now, it is you. And we live in light of that resurrection, that transformation that God is making in you. This is your story. You will be raised. So your life now looks ahead to that day. And we live with hope. We're free to live by Jesus' forgiveness every day. And to strive to live this holy life. To follow in his ways. To walk in his paths. You will be raised. And the life of that day, it's in you now. Just as a seed has the life of the plant all bound up in it. Unlike the seed, though, your life, the life of faith that that Jesus shows in and through us now, is already at work. And the reason that life is in us is so that, that we can share it with others. That our life becomes a testimony to Jesus' forgiveness and salvation. I think this is something that we get confused on. I think a lot of times we think that our life is a testimony to what other people's lives are supposed to be like. And I do think that we we live as an example to others. We want to be a good example to our kids and grandkids, right? But at the same time, to really be a Christian means to be forgiven for our sins. And if you want real forgiveness, those sins in your life better be real too. So that when you look at your kids and you talk to them about the forgiveness and the salvation that you cherish, it's for something that's real and not imagined. That's the testimony of your life. That Jesus came and my sins are forgiven and that's what shapes me and changes me. And the reason we want that message to go out is so that they can believe and they can receive life in Jesus' name so that they can be raised to everlasting life and glory. What is sown, what is planted in the ground, is perishable. What is raised, is raised imperishable. And thanks be to God that we will be raised imperishable because Jesus came as our champion to die and to rise for us. Thanks be to God that that we will be raised to glory. And thanks be to God that we have the joy and privilege of sharing that good news, that good news of great joy that is for all the people so that others too may be raised. Amen.